back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 8.05 The Time. Joe Theismann joins us in just a moment. Greg Gaston, Zach Boyd, Eli is off. They'll be back on Tuesday. We are in the Family Leisure Studios where family and fun come together. Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently 50 degrees. We're looking at a high today of 63, but it's clouding up and the rains are coming. In fact, thunderstorms in the forecast. About a 90% chance of precipitation with high winds and gusts possible tonight. Down to 30 with a chance for some rain showers into the overnight hours. Tomorrow we're looking at a 52-degree high. Uh, no, actually 40-degree high for tomorrow, 52-degree high for Sunday. So a pretty cold weekend here in Memphis. I'll get to the James Gaddis Jewelers Memphis Sports Fact a little bit later on in the hour. We'll talk more Memphis Tigers basketball after that loss last night at North Texas with the Tiger Basketball Report and Matt Dillon. But right now... It is time to talk to our friend Joe Theismann, the Super Bowl champion, former NFL Most Valuable Player, college All-American at Notre Dame, and now another award. Joe, you're still winning awards, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Greg. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can follow Joe on Twitter at Theismann7. Joe, if you missed it just a couple of days ago, it was announced by the AutoZone Liberty Bowl folks, Steve Earhart, Harold Grader, and the gang, that Joe is the recipient of this year's AutoZone Liberty Bowl Distinguished citizen award he will be honored on june 2nd congratulations joe thank you so much i mean uh greg first of all it's good to catch up it's zach nice talking to you too um it it's just um it's humbling and uh, just an incredible honor when you look at the people that have received this award before uh it just makes you you know appreciate all the things that the good lord has given us Mm. in our lives and the opportunity to be able to uh you know, to be able to do things for others. I mean, I, I'm 100% convinced. Uh, it took me a while to figure it out, but that we're put on this earth to serve others, not to be served, and I appreciate the award tremendously. Well said, Joe. Like myself, we are we are transplants, although you're not a full-time Memphian. You are at least a part-time Memphian. And uh, for those who don't know that, that's, uh, you know, Joe's been here a long time in and out of Memphis and calls this uh, certainly home at least part of the year. So that's very, very important to you to be a local, if you will, and to be honored by a local uh, event like the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. It is, and it's appreciated. And and really, the most important thing uh, to me is the fact that St. Jude is the beneficiary of of all the money that's going to be raised. And, you know, I hope people come out. Um, St. Jude just does, does such an incredible job. I, I've had the opportunity to be at the hospital, to walk around, to see everybody, the, uh, the nurses, the staff, the doctors, the researchers, uh, the patients, the families. Uh, it's just the most incredible place on this earth. It really is. And, I mean, you know, if, if your family is free of cancer, God bless you. But if you do need a place for someone to be taken care of, St. Jude, uh, you want it to be there, and that's why the donations are so important. That's why the ticket mm-hmm. sales are so important, to be able to raise money so that the research can continue. They've reduced childhood cancer tremendously, and there's a, we still have a long way to go, but we're, we're, making, we're making this into a real fight. Absolutely. Um, I, I've had you on the show many, many times, and I don't think I've ever asked you about 
um, your motivational speeches. You are on the road an awful lot. You're on the road uh, just the last few days speaking to different uh, corporate outings and things of that nature. What What is your main message, Joe, when you speak to these groups? Well, Greg, it, uh, after we won the championship in 1982, uh, I had an opportunity to get invited to different functions, and I just didn't want to talk about football. And um, I sort of looked at life and, and the business I was in, and I came up with a program when it came to business, athletics, and our own lives and created a, a synergy that carries over to each area. And I wrote a book called How to Be a Champion Every Day. And in the book, I talk about having to have goals, meeting the right kind of attitude, and, you know, taking care of people, people-people people relationships, and being a part of a team. If you're a family member, you're a part of a team. Mm-hmm. And then, how, and how do we all get motivated to do the things in our lives? Everybody is different. I think we have to acknowledge everybody as being different. But those five areas are really areas that I concentrate on. And we tell some stories. I talk about my my record setting one yard punt against the Chicago <laughs> Bears, and you know <laughs> some some of the other things that have uh, happened in my life that have uh, been interesting. This is a generalization, but I'm just asking for your opinion. Do you think that it, it, overall athletes today are more concerned with individual accolades than they are with the team and the team's success? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think I think it's a general. It's a, a sort of a generality that people assume. Um, the guys today want to win. I mean, they they really do, and, and and young ladies as well. I mean, anybody that's participating on an athletic team, men and women, uh, I really believe that they want to win. Uh, it's just now that you're so caught up in this world of social media and self-promotion um, that it's hard to avoid. I mean, it's very difficult for people to separate one from the other. It's, you know, but look at every time somebody makes a tackle, they point at the, their back with their name, or somebody mm-hmm. scores a touchdown, they, you know, they make the, the flex. Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch athletics and just see if somebody's just going to make a tackle and get up and go back to the huddle. Or somebody's going to make a catch and just go back to the huddle. Right. Um, you know, everybody. Everybody's into this self promotion. It doesn't mean you don't want to win. They want to win, but I, hey, the best way to self promote yourself is to win. Mm-hmm. To be part of a championship football team, you don't have to walk around and tell people how good you are. They'll see it. That's that's another thing too. That's interesting. Is everybody wants to tell everybody what they are? Um, why not just do it, and, and then people will talk about you instead of you talking about you. And one guy who was doing it, and people were talking about him, and he's kind of has a, an old school soul, and that of course is Pat Mahomes. Another Super Bowl for the Chiefs, another Super Bowl for this guy who is twenty eight, I believe. Now three Super yep. Bowls in five years. Joe is a former quarterback. Um, your assessment? I already have him number two on my all time list behind Brady. Uh, what do you think of Mahomes and and the team winning another Super Bowl? Well, I think it's I think it's unbelievable, and you know. It, None of these games have been easy. Every game has been a struggle. Uh, they've come back in all the games, and Patrick is, is certainly the re- part of the reason why. I mean, guys making plays on the defensive side. I thought their defense played great this year down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when the receivers decided to hold on to the football, it became an <laughs> offense that was difficult to stop. Um, but you know, everybody talks about Patrick and Tom, but they forget Troy Aikman had, has three world championships. He does. Uh, um, Terry Bradshaw has four. Joe Montana has four world championships. So, you know, before, before, before we anoint Patrick in that rarefied air, which is where he is, by the way, 
there are other people that have been there as well. So I, I don't think you can talk about the greats in this game without mentioning Troy, without mentioning Joe. Uh, of course, Tom as well has seven world championships. I mention Johnny U all the time. And John Unitas. Well, here's one for you. Um, let me see. Otto Graham. Mm-hmm. How many championships do you think he has in Cleveland? Take a guess. I have three. Okay, how about nine? Get out of here. Yeah, nine championships. Oh, my Otto gosh. Graham. Now, I mentioned the name Otto Graham, and a young person looks at me like I have three eyes. Or five heads. It's like, what are you talking about, sir? I said, just Google it. Just, you know, my answer to any young person that doesn't, you know, really understand sort of older football, I said, just Google it. It's amazing what you can learn on Google. I mean, really interesting information. And so, to me, I think, you know, Patrick certainly is the best. I think he's the best in the league right now going away. But before we, you know, we want to we want to put him next to Tom because it's the most current thing that we're thinking about but there are others that have been there as well and there are other teams that have been there as well well let me let me, let me, let me say this joe you and i should sit down have a beer and have a great conversation about this because i'm, I'm an old guy i'm 62 and i've seen a, i wasn't around for Otto grand i'll be honest with you but i <laughs> but, but but i've seen a lot of these these great quarterbacks and you know a lot has to take into, into consideration i'm not sure if was was the nfl totally integrated when uh when graham was doing this thing i mean there's a lot of things and then also just what Patrick Mahomes can make out of crap, right? It was a chicken and chicken, you know what? He's able to keep plays alive, those type of things. Yeah. Who's on the team? Now, he's got some good players, right? Kelsey's going to the Hall of Fame. Joe Montana had some pretty darn good players. Joe Montana, to me, with Peyton Manning, um, with Troy Aikman, those guys, Elway, they're all right behind. But, um, yeah, it's close, but I am ready to anoint him number two because I think what he has done, and it's not always the numbers, three compared to four compared to seven, but in this case, three to me with what he's been able to do and how he does it, to me, thinks, you know, Aikman was great, but he had Emmett Smith, he had Michael Irvin, uh, they, they had some pretty good players as well. So I take that into consideration as well. I don't just throw him in there because he's the hot thing. I really think about these things when I come up with my list. I, I listen. You make very valid points, Greg. I mean, uh, you certainly you know present a case for Patrick to be there, as I do too. I yes. think you know. Yes. But I'm saying you you know it isn't just the two of them. What I'm basically saying right. is you have to take into consideration others. And the quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. You know, Patrick had a heck of a year that no one could acknowledge because the guys couldn't hold on to the football. Then you get into this playoff run. And the guys are hanging on to the football. You see Kelsey dive in to make catches. Mm-hmm. Whereas earlier in the year, Trav put a few on the ground. So, I, you know, that's what I'm saying is the dependency factor is there. But there's no question that Patrick stands above the fray. I mean, he's, he's exceptional. And you can't separate the quarterback from the coordinator. I mean, right. Andy Reid, oh, you know, look, look, look at Andy. I mean, my gosh, you know, who doesn't want to hug him? You know, he's just like a, a, a little old bear, a big bear. And you just want to wrap your arms around him and say, you're unbelievable. And he is. And, you know, we, we text about every week, and I just I just tell him how great he is. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. But, but, I mean, uh, he's, he, as a matter of fact, I thought we had two of the best play callers. You know, bar decisions that were made oh, in the yes. Super Bowl. People get, get it. But two of the best play callers in football. Uh, by the way, Joe Theismann was a hell of a quarterback, too, ladies and gentlemen. Look him up if you're young out there and you don't know <laughs> what we're talking about here. By the by the way, Joe, since you brought it up, when you, when you were playing in, in the league and you had a game 
or games where your receivers were dropping some passes. What was the reaction from you to them? I, listen, I'd say, listen, I'll throw the ball better. I'd take it on my shoulders. Don't worry about it. I know you're going to make a great one for me. Let me tell you, every receiver that puts the ball on the ground through the course of uh, a season, they're going to make some great catches. Sure. So it all balances out. Life balances out that way. And by the way, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't send our prayers and thoughts out to those people who were at the uh, celebration oh, in Kansas City. You know, the, the, I, I believe it was a mother that was killed and those children that were hurt. I just yes. our, our hearts go out to them and our prayers go out to them. Absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. All right, so in, in, in the game itself, they go to overtime, nearly go to double overtime. It's hindsight now, but people have been kind of getting on Shanahan's case that he made the wrong move, taking the ball first. What are your thoughts about that, the overtime rules? And then you had players from the 49ers admitting they didn't know the rule. Well, you know, it, 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 if I can understand a player not knowing the rule because um, you're just going to go play. Um, the staff understands it. I don't have a problem with them taking the ball. Are you going to defer and give the ball to Patrick Mahomes in the hopes that you're going to be able to go score? Why not go score now and put the pressure on Kansas City to try and uh, to try and do what they need to do? Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that decision. Um, everybody, everybody seems to be jumping on Kyle for that decision. He took Dan Campbell off the hot seat. He did. <laughs> did he? You know, I mean, he just he literally. As a matter of fact, he pushed him off the stove. To be honest with you, because it was the Super Bowl. And uh, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with the decision. Hey, you put faith in your offense. You know, you put faith in your players, and then, and then, it, then you put faith in your defense to be able to stop them so that you can win the world championship. I don't have a problem with that decision at all. Uh, before we let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Commanders. Of course, the former Redskins. What do you think they're going to? You think that they're they're fine with Hal? Do you think they're going to go quarterback in the draft? I think from a perception standpoint of where they're going, new general manager, new head coach, new coordinators, um, new ownership, it's almost like the city, the fans of the commanders are, are waiting for a quarterback to be drafted. Sam struggled down the, down the stretch last year. Not to say that any young quarterback won't. He, you know, he was basically a rookie uh, at that position and had very little support up front. He got the living daylight speed out of him. Either the most sacks or second most sacks in the league last year. That doesn't count the amount of times he's been hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I think that I think that the commanders are expecting a quarterback to be drafted, and I would be surprised if they're not if there isn't one. Now they may trade out of that second spot, move up to one to get who they want. Remember, Cliff Kingsbury was at USC last year, right. the new offensive coordinator, and Caleb Williams was the quarterback there. Now I think every one of them has room to grow in this game. They're going to have to grow in this game. And just to put that in perspective, I had a conversation with, I, I talked to Tom every now and then, Brady, and, you know, he said, hey, every day you got to learn. Every, every, every mm-hmm. day is a learning experience. That's 23 years of experience there. Right. You know, Peyton's the same way. You know, you, you just, every day you have to get better at your trade and your profession. And so young guys start from a long way back. If uh, Caleb is taken, he has an idea of what Cliff is thinking, so he's a little bit ahead of the curve. The curve, that's the way... I look at it, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think the fans are expecting a quarterback, and I'd be surprised if they don't go that direction. I'll tell you how long I've been around, Joe. I covered Dan Quinn when he was a football player at Salisbury State when I worked uh, in television on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. He's been on the show several times, um, remembers that very, very well. But uh, that that's how old I am. And now well, I'm a coach of Washington. 
Well, he's, and also he's been a Super Bowl champion. Yes, he has. And, yes, you, he has. You look, you look at the job he's done different places. So I'm excited for Dan. I'm excited for our football team and see the direction we're going in. We are excited for you. The 2024 AutoZone Liberty Bowl Distinguished Citizen Award winner. He is Joe Theismann. That honoree or uh, honor will take place on June 2nd. Make sure to follow Joe on Twitter at Theismann7. Joe, always great catching up with you. Congratulations once again. Thanks, Greg. Take care. You Bye-bye. too. Always good stuff from Joe Theismann. Always good stuff at Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. They've been with us for years and years now. Locally owned and operated company. Roofing company. Call Brandon McCulley. He's the owner of the company at 901-438-5084. That's 901-438-5084 if you need a roof repaired or if you need a new roof. They offer financing with different plans and options to choose from, including a 612, even an 18-month same-as-cash option. They'll work with your insurance company or out-of-pocket. Your insurance company can't tell you what company to use. That is your call, and I would suggest Pinnacle. Pinnacle is part of the Roofs for Troops program. Any veteran, active or retired, you get a $250 rebate on the purchase of a new roof. They do residential and commercial roofing. So business owners listening to the show, property managers, obviously homeowners, if you have a leak or any other roofing problem, call Brandon today. They'll come out and do a free roof inspection. They're licensed, bonded, and insured, and they're a member of the Better Business Bureau. You get a five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof. All their work, satisfaction guaranteed. That includes carpentry work. They can install shingles, exterior painting. They can replace gutters, put up fencing and siding, rotten wood repair. Whatever you can't do yourself, call the experts. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration quality work at a very reasonable price. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration, 901-438-5084. Call Brandon, tell him you heard it here on Sports 56 Mornings, or go online to newroofmemphis.com. When we come back, it's more Tigers talk with Matt Dillon. The Tiger basketball report is next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Halfway home on this Friday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Zach Boyd, Eli is off until Tuesday. He's with Ole Miss Baseball. Matt Dillon will join us. In just a moment, we got 10 in a row, the game show that has swept the nation. That'll be coming up a little bit later on in the show. Brandon Lang will also be joining us. 
James Gaddis Jewelers is the second-hour sponsor of Sports 56 Mornings, and every Monday and Friday, they bring you the Memphis Sports Fact. Did you know former Memphis Tiger and Cincinnati Bengals linebacker Curtis Aikens has been hired to join the Tigers' defensive staff? Aikens played for the Tigers from 2014 through 2018. I believe it was three seasons he played with the Cincinnati Bengals, now turning his attention to a coaching career. He's the third former Tiger to be hired this offseason for the Tigers coaching staff. That includes Reggie Howard, Lou Esposito, and now Curtis Aikens. So welcome back to town, Mr. Curtis Aikens. James Gaddis Jewelers, your family's jeweler at 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick. On the web at GaddisJewelers.com. They're your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. They've been serving Memphians and Mid-Southerners for a quarter century in that East Memphis location. Before that, they were located on Summer Avenue. So they've been around a long, long time. You want that one-on-one, that family atmosphere, that's what you get at James Gaddis Jewelers Plus. Great product. And they get it to you at a very reasonable price. They'll take care of that jewelry through the lifetime of that jewelry. You're looking for personally designed wedding sets. They got it. As I mentioned, engagement rings, wedding rings, whatever the case may be, beautiful watches, earrings, pendants, uh, bracelets, necklaces. It's James Gaddis Jewelers. Time now for the Tiger Basketball Report. It's time to talk Tiger hoops. It's the Tiger Basketball Report with Tigers radio analyst Matt Dillon. The Tiger Basketball Report is brought to you by Central Barbecue, La Guadalupana, Car Corner on Mount Moriah, Dave and Buster's, Coletta's, Ben Swanger Glass, and Los Cabos on Summer Avenue. Now, here's Matt Dillon with Greg and Eli. He is Tigers basketball radio analyst Matt Dillon, the professor, who joins us each and every week. And Matt, all I could say is, oh boy. Yeah, that's that's an understatement, <laughs> <laughs> Greg. I'm still stunned from a couple of things that happened last night. And, boy, when that start, they got down, I, I knew it was going to be a struggle uh, the way this thing was going. Uh, last night, uh, you saw a, a player absolutely just take over a game and dominate it last night. You know, we were speaking, of, of course. Jason Edwards. Their fine guard, Edwards, a first-team junior college All-American. He certainly lived up to the bill. Last night, what a game he had, man! He was popping those threes, and I thought you're playing ten in a row. I thought they were going to get ten in a row in the first half. The way they were shooting, it was it was amazing. Uh, Greg, you think about it. You know they didn't have any baskets inside for a long time. I mean, it was all threes, and that's exactly what they wanted to do. You know, they're a big pick and roll team. They basically junked, it, and they went five out and stayed on the perimeter and spread the floor and shot threes. I guess when you have a guy as hot as and, of course, his teammate Bugs was hot as well. So both those guys were bombing threes last night. So uh, I learned this in school. Three is more than two. And uh, <laughs> they, they, they certainly took advantage of it. After the game, I wanted to read you these quotes. John Bugs, the third, one of the players for North Texas, said Memphis was putting two on the ball a lot, and we expected that. Jason Edwards, the aforementioned Jason Edwards, said Mean Green head coach Ross Hodge told the team not to get surprised when they get repeated wide-open looks, but Edwards admitted it's hard not to get surprised when it happens. So here we go again. Memphis struggling with their perimeter defense. They trap. They come over and help. 
Then they don't know what to do when the ball is kicked around to an open guy because there's a lack of communication. It reared its ugly head once again. Teams that aren't great three-point shooting teams are feasting on Memphis. 16 out of 28, 57%. You couple that shooting, which is three, with the Tigers missing a bunch of threes and basically hitting twos inside. Three is more than two. You're not winning the basketball game. Yeah, you're not going to do that. You're exactly right. You know, the Tigers... They were trying to trap on the side and ice and do a lot of things to keep you know from getting in their pick and roll offense. And boy, when, when they handle the ball, I got to give them a lot of credit. You know, they saw that trap coming. They were well prepared. They, they as soon as the Tigers started trap, that ball was reversed and went back around the perimeter. And there were times when guys were standing there, nobody with ten feet of them taking open shots. And these guys are Division One basketball players. You know, they're going to hit threes some. Uh, with being wide open like they were, and it was just a, a, not a great rotation. You know, the, the thing I think on the defense last night, guys were coming in and out. It, Coach Hardo was trying to get some kind of rotations going, and you know, some of the younger players got in, and boy, they got burned uh, on defense. And I think that's something you know that that you got to address. That you go with your older players who may be better defensively, or you stick some younger guys in there, and you got to kind of go with them and, and let them learn. But you know, they just got great open shots, Greg. I mean, they, they just were uh, – nobody really contesting a lot. I mean, a couple of them were long, I understand. But then, but when you get a guy at that level, a junior college All-American with his feet set uh, wide open, he's going to hit some shots, and that's exactly what they did. He he set a school record last night with his threes and seven as a school record, and, and then 16. Is this record, is right? Texas record. Yeah. And, you know, Penny continues to say he's going to shorten his rotation – and then, as you just said, you know, it's kind of like panic. He's looking for any combinations. He ends up playing 10 guys, and Young is still out, or it would have been 11. So he keeps going, right. he keeps going back on what he says he wants to do. There's just, just, just seems to be confusion, whether it be the players out there trying to defend, whether or not what it is with him and what he wants to do with the rotation. And, and, and it's really burned the team a lot this year. Yeah, it, it's tough right now. I mean, no, nobody's roles are almost. It's like when you first of the year, you're kind of defining some stuff again. I, I believe, but but, but anytime you, your top two scores and depending on them all year long, Quinterly Jones don't have good offensive games. Mm-hmm. That puts a lot of pressure on everybody else. And I think some guys got in and said, "Hey, I got to do something here fast to try to get back uh, to it." And you know, I, I really believe, honestly, Greg, I think putting Jones uh, on Edwards really wore him down last night. I thought it hurt him offensively a little bit. He was so, you know, zeroed in on trying to stop him. I think it wore him down a little bit. That's really the first time I've seen him second half get gassed. I mean, the last three he took, I mean, it, was, it took a right-hand turn on the way the basket did. It did, did it yes. Anything. It was ugly. They, got, they had a chance, too, right, Matt? They had about four or five opportunities in that last minute or so, and they weren't even close. Exactly right. Yes. And they didn't take good shots. Right. Quinley took another one. It was very questionable. They had a chance. And, you know, when, when you're closing, you got to take good shots. you got to be in the context of the offense. They, they really got sped up, and everybody thought they had to do something quick. And uh, they uh, just did not get good looks at the end. And I, and I thought they were going to come back and maybe have a chance to win because they were coming back and really putting a lot of pressure on North Texas. You know, you got to give them a lot of credit. You know, they're missing two of their better players. And right. you've got to – Edwards is really not a point guard, and he only had one turnover last night in, what, like 36 minutes, which I was surprised. I thought they were going to come after him. They tried to do it, and he handled it exceptionally well. So uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. The crowd got into it. Not a big crowd, but once they saw what was happening, 
they kind of gave him a little bit of will. I thought, uh, you know, Coach Hardaway tried every combination he could. I, I think maybe Young being out maybe hurt defensively a little bit. He could probably maybe give you know Quinterly a blow, let him go over and take uh, Edwards. But man. They got good looks, and they moved the ball. That second and third pass, you know, we talk about it on broadcast mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, they did it last night. They moved that the ball. And when you look at their assist total, you know, they only made twenty four field goals, but sixteen of them are assisted. Wow! So it tells you they moved the ball last night. Tigers basketball report with Matt Dillon is brought to you by Ben Swanger Glass Central Barbecue, La Gua- Guadalapana Car Corner on Mount Moriah, Dave and Buster's, Coletas, and Los Cabos on Summer Avenue. The Tigers have not been good in transitional basketball. I, for whatever reason, when they get fast-breaking, they're looking for alley-oops, they're throwing the ball away, they're dribbling it off their legs, they're getting it deflected from behind. They have just not been crisp all season long when it comes to transition, and that's a big part of their DNA. You're really right about that. You know, fast breaks last night, it was 27 in favor of North Texas. You're exactly right. You know, you got to fill the floor correctly, and you got to take care of the ball. They, they throw passes are you know trying to make the spectacular play and you just can't do that and uh, north texas got back you know that's one thing they try to do and they got back on defense most of the night but you're, you're right greg you got to handle the ball on the break effectively and they have not been able to do that at times and it really uh, bit them last night because they should have been able to fast break his team that's one thing they were working on in a shoot around trying to get the tempo up and getting fast break points and you know Think about North Texas. They're going to try to turn you over, and then they're going to get the ball back and rebound. They're going to go in a half court. You know, they're going to make you guard. And that's exactly what, you know, the, the thing that I think they wanted to do. And they got their game plan and initiated. Tigers just could never get the tempo up the way they wanted. I thought the Tigers actually scored more points against them, but they didn't. As you can imagine, it has been rough this morning. In fact, folks, uh, when we wrap it up here with Matt in our final segment here in Hour 2, I will have time to take your calls at 360-8255. Continue to read your texts. Uh, I can understand Tigers fans being upset, Matt, because, and I'm not sure if you agree um, or may not want to admit to it, and I understand if you don't, but to me and to many other people, they believe that that was the the nail in the coffin as far as an at-large, that now they're going to have to win the conference tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Well, I think it's going to be difficult, yeah, when you when you look around, you know, and everything else, the, the league for one, uh, you got to get up in the standings. I, I never thought at this point UAB would be in front of the Tigers, South Florida. I mean, Charlotte. I mean, some teams are, right, seventh I guess, overachieving. Place. Right. And it's late. There's not many games left mm-hmm. right now. And I'm telling you, this game on Sunday is not going to be easy. No. This uh, SMU team, I was looking at their statistics, uh, uh, Greg, and it's amazing. Now, let me give you a couple of quick things that are interesting about them. They're second in the league in fewest points allowed. That's 20 in the NCAA. They are a team that 29.1% they guard the three-point line, 15th in the NCAA. Their field goal percentage defense, 10th in the NCAA. They're a good rebounding team. Uh, their margin of victory, uh, the biggest in the league. Their team has number one in assists in the league. I'm surprised that SMU, in a way, maybe – you know, has, has lost three games in the league. But they're playing consistent basketball right now, and, and he's really turned that around. Now, going in there, you've been there before. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy place to go into. This nope. is the last time we're going in there to visit as a league member, and this thing's going to be juiced because they got a lot to play for now. You think about it now. that They're looking at some things, too. So that's the thing the Tigers are facing, even Charlotte. You know, they got something to play for now, too. That's one of the things that, that's really – 
going to be a, a tough thing to go to run the table here because you've got teams in front of you that are playing for something else too because this league's not going to get a tremendous amount of bids probably at large. So, no, that's uh, a great point, Matt. Have to run it. That's a great yeah. point. I mean, they're kind of in desperation mode. SMU last night goes to New Orleans, beats Tulane 87-79. Charlotte, which comes in Wednesday to play Memphis, they were at home, but they still took care of business, and that's what you have to do. They beat Texas San Antonio 79-70. Florida Atlantic doesn't look like the same team as last year, but certainly a capable team. They took care of business, beating Temple 80-68. to It's all about taking care of business for the teams near the top of whatever the conference may be. And here's Memphis now losing again, falling to 7-5 and five in conference play, dropping to 7th in the conference, tied technically with North Texas, but North Texas now has the nod, having beaten them uh, right. head-to-head. I, I, I just I don't know. It's The problems that have existed continue. They have not been fixed, and that's what's dumbfounding to me is to – Watch this team almost every game struggle with their perimeter defense and then also really with their ball movement. They hold on the ball too much and dribble and dribble and dribble, and that's when you get that that one-on-one stuff. And when you have, as you alluded to, a night where David Jones and Javon Quinterly are not shooting the ball well, in fact, they were horrible, there's no way you're going to win the game. You're, you're, you're dead. You're right. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, dribble penetration, too, is another point. They really yeah. hurt them last yeah. night. And they didn't stay in front of their guards, either one of them. And that's something that really hurt. I mean, they, they drive and kick it out, and there's open shots. And you look down and you see the teams in front of you. That's got to be corrected now. You're going to have to – that's pride. you got to, you got to want to get out there and do it. You know, Greg, really, maybe a little ball line defense where you got one, you know, one foot in the paint and we can get out on the perimeter. Because inside last night, really – they didn't do anything against the Tigers right. very much at all. Right. No inside points. They so, didn't have to, right? <laughs> right, didn't have to. You're bombing threes like that. I guess you don't worry about it. And, and I've I got to give one thing credit for North Texas. They realized they were hot. They, they started – they put that five out, and they just – they were going to shoot threes and, and live and die by it. And, and, you know, when you're hitting them, it makes you look pretty good. Yeah, they, they stuck with their guys. These are – well-conditioned athletes that are not pooped after four minutes of playing time. So uh, it was a disappointing loss. Uh, Sunday will be a challenge, as Matt said, as the Tigers will take on SMU. We will do this again next week, uh, Matt. Who knows what we'll be talking about. They will have already played SMU and then Charlotte, but we'll recap it next week on the Tiger Basketball Report. Matt, as always, I know it was a tough one. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, as always. Thanks, Greg. Uh, I tell you what, it's going to be a big game on Sunday. Tigers really need get this one. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Oh, boy. The Tiger Basketball Report with Matt Dillon brought to you by Los Cabos on Summer Avenue, Coletas, Dave & Buster's, Car Corner on Mount Moriah, La Guadalapana, Central Barbecue, and Ben Swanger Glass. If you want to get a quick call in, we got an open segment coming up, 360-8255. Tigers or Grizzlies, 360-8255. You can call in or you can text them. We'll do that when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 
This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back. 360-8255 is our Sports 56 listener line. If you want to call in or text in right now on Tigers, if you want to squeeze in uh, some Grizzlies, that's fine as well. Grizzlies had a great game last night. They shocked the Bucks. They were four and a half, 14 and a half point underdogs. But we've been talking a lot, obviously, about the Tigers and last night's 10-point loss at North Texas. Ken has texted in and said, Hey, Greg, can you explain why it looks like Penny is hard to work for? He loses lead assistance every year. I think he doesn't listen to anyone. I think Stansbury can take this team at least to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Well, I don't know how hard he is to work with. There has there has been a revolving door. When you think about some of the guys that have been here, now some have left on their own accord for jobs. You know, if you consider Tony Madlock, but Tony Madlock obviously is a close friend of Penny's. Cody Topper, not that longtime veteran guy, but he got a chance to go to LSU. But you had Larry Brown. They wanted Penny wanted Larry Brown right from the get-go. Didn't get him until, I think, the second year. But Larry Brown then, in that next year, left because of health reasons. So that's not really on any kind of... Uh, although it could. It could be something in the relationship. I, I don't know. I'm not privy to that information. Sam Mitchell was one and done. Frank Haith was one and done. But he left for another job as well. Stansbury now. The bottom line is, is Penny's calling the shots. Sure, he's listening to his assistant coaches, but Penny is calling the shots. Let's make no bones about that. Um, they may try to jump in and do this or do that and say some things. I've been to practices where others on the staff have have certainly chimed in, but the buck stops with Penny, and therefore I give Penny I give Penny credit for taking the heat. He always says it's on him. Now he says he's been saying it too much. And talked about, you know, he's got to get better. It's game 25 of his sixth season, right? So everybody's got to get better. He does take the blame himself, which is admirable, but it's still blame and it's still losses and it's still bad stuff. All right, let's go rapid fire, guys. So don't dwell too much here. Get to your point. We'll move on. Let's start with Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne. Uh, what's going on? Hey, man, I'm asking a question. What office do we run? <laughs> they try to run, run some NBA pro set that just there's this, no passing. I mean, it's a process one on one. It's hot pick, and everybody stands around until the play breaks down, and then the hey, chunk it up. Then it's one on one. That's the problem yeah. with this team. There's no offensive structure. There's yep. no identity at all. We got 55 guys, but we don't press until we get behind. It's ridiculous. I mean, the team that I knew from three years ago mm-hmm. would be out the gate pressing. They don't press anymore. They don't run a structured office. He never have. If one for Davis last year, all that was one on one. But it just looked so good that the kid was just fantastic. And Thank the you, problem Dwayne. with yeah. he has to get some structure. I all hear right, you, man. No, look, it, it's a, it's a perfectly uh, sound point that he makes. There's a lot of dribbling going on. Watch these teams: Rice, North Texas. These teams that Memphis should be blowing out. Pass, 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 quick pass, high screen, pass, pick and roll, boom, pass, open three, open three, open three. That's their offense. That's more college-oriented. Memphis's offense is more towards the NBA. These guys aren't NBA players. David Jones has a chance, I think. That's it. I mean, they're not all going to the NBA. And, yeah, there's a, that's a good point about Kendrick Davis, who is NBA light playing in the G League, that he was the guy. Now, you had DeAndre Williams as well. It was a two- 
it was a two-headed monster. But Kendrick Davis did a lot of that one-on-one, late in the shot clock, putting up a shot or dribbling it by uh, by his uh, defender and, and getting to the hole. Carlo is next. Carlo, how are you? Hey, how you doing? But I just had a gone call in right quick. Sure. But it's like you said, but you being a little modest, you said they playing like NBA. No, they're not playing like NBA. They're playing like Mount Morale. When you go to Mount Morale, when you be picking like four guys to play four on four, <laughs> that's how they've been playing. And they talking about his own pin to pin. I know he's saying it on him. No, it's not on pin. It's on the players. See, those players came from those bigger name schools. They think, okay, we're going to go to this conference and we're going to run rough shot. But now they see it's a different ball game. You got to play team ball, team warrior. Can't yep. no one or two players beat no own craft style team here. If they playing team ball and you playing individual, you're going to get beat every time. We got to get back to what we used to do, play defense. Defense win games and championships. I'm out of here, guys. Thanks, Carlo. No, you're, you're right on. But here's, here's the problem. I can give them the benefit of the, of the doubt the first few games of conference play that you're trying to adjust. Maybe you don't take the guys as serious. They've probably read all the, the read all the stories written about the conference with the six new teams and losing who they lost, Houston being at the top of that class. And then you take the guys for granted for a game or two. After that, then it has to be desperation mode that, okay, Maybe we're not as good as we think we are, and maybe they're not as bad as we think they are. We have to step it up. And here we are, last night, game 12 of conference play, and they lose once again. Mike, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, it seems like we got a lot of rebounds slapped out of our hands. and taken. They just did a lot of slap. I mean, I nothing wrong with it, but they just took balls away from us like we weren't very strong at all. Memphis out-rebounded them, which has been a well, problem. Well, I know they year. out-rebounded them. They don't count when you get a steal from them. Or we gave up a whole bunch of, uh, uh, like I said, rebounds. We didn't hold on to the ball. I don't seem like, to me, the team's very strong. Yeah, second and chance what happened to the Hey, what happened to the Omeba, whatever he called that offense? Because this pro thing is he, Penny's hard-headed. It ain't going to work in college. He is very hard-headed. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. But to Mike's points about uh, knocking the ball out of their hands, second-chance points, Memphis outscored North Texas 15-11. Rebounds, Memphis out-rebounded them 37-33. Turnovers were 15-13 Memphis. Now, North Texas did get 20 fast-break points. That is shocking. When you think about that, North Texas, the second-slowest pace in Division I basketball, out of 300 and whatever teams, 20 fast break points. Memphis, seven. Why so low for Memphis? Because do you watch them run the fast break? Do you watch them transition? They're, they're, first of all, they, some a lot of times they don't have the ball in the, the, the right person's hands. You know, Malco's dribbling it up the court or somebody who doesn't have the handles. David Jones doesn't even have great handles. you got to get the ball to Quinterly or somebody who actually can. And they don't have a lot of guys that are really good ball handlers, let's be honest. Then the awareness, the court awareness, having guys knock the ball out from behind them. They're a little bit out of sync when they run up and down the court, especially in transition. They have to settle down a little bit. And then when they get in their half court, they have to distribute. They have to pass the ball. But they don't. There's a lot of just gobbling it up and dribble, 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 hopefully get a screen, go one-on-one. Greg is next. Hi, Greg. Hey, how you guys doing? This doing morning? okay, thank you. I heard I heard a caller last night after the game called in, and he made points about Penny's coaching style 
and what he uh, what what he's doing and what he's not doing, and uh, maybe it's a time for you know a change at the coaching position because no one coach, even though he's a favorite son, is bigger than the program because the basketball team is a city's basketball team. Yeah, I thought about that and I was leaning toward what he was saying. But then I gave it some real good thought, and I said, well, the portal is different. Today's basketball players are different. They think offense is what's going to get them to the pros. So they don't work on the fundamentals like they used to. They, uh, they're a different breed of kid. And I look at coaches like Buzz down at Texas A&M. I know he's a good coach. But the material that he has to work with is just not what it used to be. I even Coach Kyle, he's having problems getting these kids to play defense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's a sign of the times. I can't just put it all on Benny. But at the end of the day, everything you just said about what the Tigers don't do, it comes down to the coach, man. That's just a, that's, So either he's going to get lucky and get the material that he needs to run the kind of offense and play the kind of ball that he wants, or he's going to go through this year in and year out mm-hmm. until he changes his way of coaching. Gotcha. I wish, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm sad to say, and I hate to say this, I feel for Memphis and I feel for myself. It just don't look good this year, son. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a good day. Listen, the genie's out of the bottle. That transfer portal thing is going to continue. But remember, it works for some teams because most teams go to the portal, some more than others. Somebody's got to win those basketball games. And to his original point about Penny, it's still the coach that makes the decision on personnel. So I think we're going to continue to see that. I think some years it may work, some years it won't. But as far as you know, the native son and that, look, if they don't get to the tournament this year, <clears throat> right, they don't get to the tournament, that means they don't win any tournament games. That would be one tournament win in six years. One tournament win in six years. And people getting on the case of Ryan Silverfield, they just won 10 games in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. But yet there'll be pressure next year, right, to get to the conference championship game. Because when the moves were made, when the expansion took place and the Big 12 took three of the schools <clears throat> from the American and the ACC took SMU, SMU's still there, but will be gone after this season, everybody looked at it and said, wow, you know, Memphis in football, along with Tulane, UTSA maybe, they should be the top. And then in basketball, absolutely Memphis and at least right now for Florida Atlantic. We'll see if they have sustaining power, especially if Dusty May gets picked up by somebody. But it hasn't happened yet. Memphis football, hopefully for next year, because with the expanded 12-team playoff, that could mean an actual spot in the playoff, right? Playoff? Yeah, it's possible. But there's a lot of criticism, even though they won 10 and won the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. Whereas with basketball right now, if they don't get to the tournament, they can't win a game. That means just one in six years. Let me go to Kenny. Last caller here in this segment. Kenny, how are you? Hey, good morning, man. How you doing? Good morning. Uh, this defense, I, I don't understand what they are seeing, that what they see and what we see. Mm-hmm. What I see is people getting wide open for shots. I mean, they break the press. And, and it's just like they're just wide open for open three. And they keep running the same defense. Why not run man-to-man, half court? 
You don't have a pressing team. Not the entire game, at least. And then play some zone. Right. That's what I've been saying all morning I, I don't long. Understand, I don't understand what's so difficult about that. Now, on these expectations, we, we really have to throw these expectations out the window. This is not what we thought when we hired Penny from day one. I don't think anybody thought that after six years we would be talking about possibly one NCAA tournament mm-hmm. win. So I guess the university – now, look, I, I'm a firm believer. I don't think they should make any kind of moves after this season. No, but they won't. The moves that they, and they probably won't. But I'm sure they won't. But you're going to have to have, to have a sit down and try to get some kind of plan on, on where this program is going and where this program should be. Because I know for a fact there's not another coach in this conference probably that makes half of what Penny makes. Most of them are at eight, nine hundred, maybe a million dollars each. So the amount of money that we spend on basketball just in this conference, I'm not talking about a power five, I mean, it's, it's far greater than anyone else. And we shouldn't be in seventh place at this time of the season. I hear you, Kenny. Thank you, my friend. I mean, this, it makes no sense. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Good stuff from all our callers, all our texters. I know we have more texts to get to. We'll do that in hour number three. Before we do anything, though, Brandon Lang will join us to recap the Super Bowl. We'll have 10 in a row, give you a chance to win a great prize package, and then more on the Tigers and Grizzlies. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.